Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Monday, October 12th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. It's Indigenous Peoples Day today. How and when did this start becoming a thing? Also, how West Coast governments are finally turning to tribal leaders for assistance preventing wildfires. A serious collaboration between Portugal the Man and Weird Al Yankovic. And an interactive website that shows you a global map of tribal territories and languages. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. 14 U.S. states, the District of Columbia, and more than 130 cities now celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day instead of or in addition to Columbus Day. And while Indigenous Peoples Day is growing a lot in popularity in recent years, its history actually goes back a little further than many people may think. First, for what it's worth, Columbus Day isn't actually that old. It was first proposed in a resolution by President Benjamin Harrison in the late 1800s, but didn't officially become a federal holiday until 1934. Quoting Yes Magazine, Some Americans started to question why indigenous people, who'd been in the country all along, didn't have their own holiday. In the 1980s, Colorado's American Indian Movement chapter began protesting the celebration of Columbus Day. In 1989, activists in South Dakota persuaded the state to replace Columbus Day with Native American Day. Both states have large Native populations that played active roles in the Red Power Movement in the 1960s and 1970s, which sought to make American Indian people more politically visible. Then, in 1992, at the 500th anniversary of Columbus's first voyage, American Indians in Berkeley, California, organized the first Indigenous Peoples Day, a holiday the city council soon formally adopted. Berkeley has since replaced its commemoration of Columbus with a celebration of indigenous people. The holiday can also trace its origins to the United Nations. In 1977, indigenous leaders from around the world organized a United Nations conference in Geneva to promote indigenous sovereignty and self-determination. Their first recommendation was to observe October 12th, the day of so-called Discovery of America, as an international day of solidarity with the indigenous peoples of the Americas. It took 30 more years for their work to be formally recognized in the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, which was adopted in September 2007. End quote. And one more important note about the spelling of the holiday. Like Daylight Saving Time and New Year's Eve, there can be some confusion about the inclusion of the S and whether or not there's an apostrophe in Indigenous Peoples Day. In this case, people is plural, not possessive. It includes an S, but no apostrophe. Here's how Ora Bogato explained it in Teen Vogue. Before Columbus's arrival and subsequent European colonization, there were thousands of nations in what we now call the Americas. These nations were different from one another, with distinct languages, customs, and territories. A lot of these nations survived genocide. In the U.S. alone, we can easily recognize Hopi people, Chickasaw people, and Shinnecock people as distinct peoples today. For too long, indigenous peoples have been collapsed into one singular people. Indigenous Peoples Day, with that S at the end, acknowledges the fact that this is a celebration for and about many different nations. Avoid spelling it Indigenous Peoples Day, since that apostrophe denotes a singular people and signals that we can't see the different nations we want to celebrate. End quote. She also notes that you could put an apostrophe after the S so that it's plural and possessive, as some jurisdictions have done. But what does one do to celebrate? 
You can learn more about the day and about the genuine history of the land that you live on, whether it's here in the U.S. or in the countless other places around the world where indigenous peoples have been pushed off their land and disenfranchised over the generations. It's also a good day to start following and listening to more Native voices. If you check out the Indigenous Peoples Day tag on the social media platform of your choice, you're sure to find lots of great people and organizations to follow. And to that end, because I know you all like podcasts, here are a few podcast recommendations for you. Native America Calling, it's a news podcast hosted by the Conic Broadcast Corporation. All My Relations, a conversation-based podcast between Matika Wilbur and Adrian Keene, focusing on current topics facing Native peoples. And This Land from Crooked Media, hosted by Rebecca Nagel. Now, this one was a limited series show, so there aren't any new episodes, but you can go back and listen to 10 episodes tying together historical events with the recent Supreme Court ruling about the Muscogee Nation's land. Links to all of those are in the show notes. And, you know, a lot of holidays, especially this three-day weekend kind of ones, get so far removed from their original intent over the years. They just become another day off, another day for car dealerships to have big sales. So, personally, I just think it's kind of cool to see one injected with such meaning and purpose, at least for now. Four out of five of the largest wildfires ever recorded in California have occurred this year. Five million acres of land have burned on the West Coast. As officials look for solutions, they are turning more and more to the Native Americans who have long been forced out of tending to the land they once stewarded so successfully. Specifically, officials have begun working more with tribal leaders on prescribed burning, knowing when and where to intentionally burn parts of the forest in a manageable way to prevent out-of-control wildfires in the future. Quoting the New York Times, Long before California was California, Native Americans used fire to keep the lands where they lived healthy. That meant intentionally burning excess vegetation at regular intervals during times of the year when the weather would keep blazes smaller and cooler than the destructive wildfires burning today. The work requires a deep understanding of how winds would spread flames down a particular hillside or when lighting a fire in a forest would foster the growth of certain plants, and that knowledge has been passed down through ceremony and practice. But until recently, it has mostly been dismissed as unscientific." End quote. Various organizations run by Native American communities have worked with other conservancy nonprofits and private landowners over the years to help them repair forested areas and make them more sustainable. And in some parts of the southeastern United States, prescribed fire has already been in practice officially by state governments for several decades. But on the West Coast, the practice has long been suppressed. Quoting again, over the course of California's long colonial history, native Californians were violently and systematically stripped of the ability to tend the land they had lived on for centuries as white settlers pursued gold, timber, and territory. This dark history unfolded while modern firefighting agencies and techniques were formed under the heavy influence of Europeans who wanted to maximize timber halls, said Mary Huffman, director of the Indigenous Peoples Burning Network. A 1920 article written by William B. Greeley in The Timberman dismisses light burning as practiced by, quote, the Indians in various western pine forests long before the advent of the white man, end quote, as fallacy, propaganda that, if heeded, would lead to the destruction of lucrative trees. 
Bill Tripp, the Director of Natural Resources and Environmental Policy for the Kuruk Tribe Department of Natural Resources, wrote in a piece for The Guardian that Kuruk people were shot for burning as recently as the 1930s. The idea of prescribed burning remained polarizing for decades as federal and state firefighting agencies were built up around the idea that wildfire was an enemy to be defeated using military-style tactics, not a tool that could help prevent destruction. End quote. Now, the U.S. Forest Service and the state of California will be working intentionally with tribal leaders on prevention tactics, including prescribed fire. It's a step in the right direction, but like everything, will come with complications. Not only have the centuries of suppression built a deep mistrust, but the land itself has changed, and new tactics accounting for climate change will need to be teased out. While it's definitely a net positive, Belinda Brown, a member of the Kosoletka Band of the Ajimawe Atsuge Nation and Tribal Partnerships Director for the Lomakatsi Restoration Project, said, quote, We're getting that I told you so award. My prayer is that ignorance won't stop us again, end quote. Alt-rock band Portugal The Man, best known for their Grammy Award-winning song Feel It Still, have teamed up with Weird Al Yankovic on a new song in honor of Indigenous Peoples Day called Who's Gonna Stop Me? The music video features world champion jingle dancer Ocosio Red Elk and The Last Artful Dodger, as well as a slew of indigenous artists and leaders, and it was directed by Aaron Brown and indigenous storyteller Josue Rivas. The song is largely about breaking through and breaking down fences and finding freedom. The video plays with light in a lot of cool ways and has some really awesome like hand-drawn text and animation put on top, in some cases emphasizing certain effects, and in others featuring calls to action by indigenous activists, as well as land acknowledgments for all of the locations where filming took place. Here's a quick listen to the song. One of the strangest things about the song might be that Weird Al is involved at all. Rolling Stone says that it's his first ever serious song, and while I think he helped write the song, he actually only appears in one verse, which is totally serious lyrically, but in the video, he's kind of ambling around and making exaggerated trademark facial expressions that don't quite fit the overall tone, and honestly, I can't tell if he was trying to be serious or not. So what's going on? How did Weird Al get involved in this? Well, it turns out that Portugal the Man are huge fans. They even had his face on their drumhead for a while. They met Weird Al at Bonnaroo seven years ago and hit it off, so when the band asked Weird Al to collaborate on this project that's pretty out of his wheelhouse, he was excited to join in. He told Rolling Stone, quote, I sang 77 straight cover songs on my 2018 tour, a different one every night. 
But yeah, this is without question a bit of a departure, certainly in terms of most people's perception of me. I'm sure there will be some cognitive dissonance with folks who just assume I'm wacky all the time, but I approached this song exactly the same way I approached every song I've ever recorded, the only difference being the words aren't funny." End quote. And as for Portugal the Man, this is not their first foray into activism and support of indigenous peoples. Having grown up in Alaska, the band members are passionate about native rights and have a tribal liaison for their band. Bassist Zach Carruthers told the San Diego Union-Tribune in 2019, quote, Everywhere we go on tour in the U.S., we get First Nation people from local tribes to come out on stage and we give them a chunk of our set to say something. It's been amazing. End quote. Recently, they launched the PTM Foundation to raise awareness and support indigenous communities, and this month proceeds are going to the nonprofit Dig Deep's Navajo Water Project. And for their efforts over the years, the band has even been awarded honors from the Native American Music Awards and the National Congress of American Indians. You know, especially in a world where I feel like public figures are disappointing us left and right in different ways, it's just cool to see people using their level of influence for good. And also, this is just a great song. And lastly today, I wanted to share a cool website called nativeland.ca, which is an interactive map of all the tribal territories, treaties, and languages around the world. It's really cool just to explore, but is also a handy tool for a practice that is becoming increasingly mainstream here in the U.S. after having been fairly commonplace for a while in Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. Land acknowledgments, or territory acknowledgments. Native Land Digital, the organization behind the website, explains territory acknowledgments as, quote, a way that people insert an awareness of indigenous presence and land rights in everyday life. This is often done at the beginning of ceremonies, lectures, or any public event. It can be a subtle way to recognize the history of colonialism and a need for change in settler colonial societies, end quote. You might hear it at the start of an event, during other welcome messages, just something along the lines of, we want to acknowledge that we are holding this event on the occupied territory of the Lenape people, as I would say here in New York City. I've also occasionally heard it alongside a moment of silence for that acknowledgement. Sometimes there's also a mention of any treaties that may have been signed in relation to the ceding of territory, um, perhaps a call to action, because while the act itself is intentionally disruptive, it is, much like voting, just one small first step towards a commitment to change. And one of the more prominent examples you may have heard recently was Mark Ruffalo's Emmy acceptance speech last month when he said, quote, I'm coming to you from the ancestral lands of the Lenape and Muncie native people in upstate New York, end quote. I don't think he's the first person to do a land acknowledgement in a major award ceremony acceptance speech, but it was especially cool to hear since everyone was calling in from so many different places. And maybe others will be inspired to follow in his footsteps going forward. It's also important to note that this is a practice that has gone on among native peoples for centuries. And it's not exactly just an acknowledgement. The best practice in crafting the acknowledgement is to actually do your research on the people or tribal nation whose land you're on, and especially if you represent a government or larger organizational body or public event, reaching out and starting to build a relationship with their leadership. 
But the first step is figuring out whose land you're on, and native-land.ca is an excellent resource and just a really fascinating website all around to check out. That is all from me for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kaki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I am going to go try to find more videos of Weird Al Yankovic attempting to be serious. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. 